Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good Lord. My name is Brett Valentini. You can call me Brett. This is podcast number 35, I think. Lost track. Lost track of a lot of things this year with the Chicago White Sox. We're here to talk about the Chicago White Sox for as long as I can stand it. And who knows what we'll break into otherwise. Uh, we've got a crew of four other Southside Sox writers, including back, bad, nationwide, with an alcohol shelf that he's going to be tapping into, oh, gosh, gosh, golly, over these next six weeks. It's Trevor Lyons. Um, we coming out of Louisville? Where are we coming out of? Yep, yep, I am in Louisville. All right, straight out of Louisville. Uh, we got Jordan. Uh, oh, my God, I'm going to get it wrong every single time. I'm going to say this time, Jordan Haas. And, uh, okay, cold stuff. All right, I'm getting closer and closer now, Jordan has just joined up with us. She has uh, taken on bird app recaps, killing it there. But really, at this point, questioning the decision to go all in with the White Sox to the point of actually writing for them. But hey, listen, <laughs> join the crew. We all suffer in such a way. His internet was almost out enough to save him. But no, it came back enough that Dante Jones has to join us for this podcast and some sort of migraine um gray hair pain uh, sickness has taken half of our uh, indianapolis field office away from this podcast so 
supporting the way to both. Uh, the cubicles are very vacant right now because only Joe Rhesus is occupying the uh, Indianapolis field office right now. Joe, thank you for joining. Okay, I tried to delay talking about this Chicago White Sox team for as long as I can with extended, foolish, and mispronouncing intros, but the White Sox are three and a half out of first place. Their record is something. I don't really care. It's 500. It could be 1660, 1550, 100, 100. I don't know. Uh, the stretch of easy games where they were supposed to win 12 out of 19, I think was the consensus that I demanded everybody agree to, I uh, believe right now, eight and eight. So in theory could make a big rally against Detroit and still win 11 instead of 12. And boy, will we be excited thinking the White Sox will be going to the playoffs. Uh, White Sox have just lost in Kansas city, three or four games. I conservatively doing my Dumbass prediction thing for the rest of the season said the White Sox would split. It's pretty tough to win a four game series, especially when it's four games in three days. But they managed to make me seem really foolishly optimistic because they could not win a series against Kansas City, a team actively trying to punt the season. So let's just uh, start as we usually do. It's the biorhythms moment of the podcast. And let's talk a little bit about. How you feeling coming out losing three of four? I'm going to go to the top corner two block down to Indianapolis. Joe Rhesus, tell me how you're feeling. Not too great. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there is a lot to, to talk about as far as uh, what has gone wrong. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the season, we may look back on at this series that just happened in Kansas city as being like, you know, the, the moment where, you know, the, it, the season truly felt like it was grinding to a halt. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess there are in a season with a lot of small ups and downs resulting in that 500 record. Uh, there have been a lot of bad moments mixed in there along the way. Um, but you know, there's always been the silver lining of, well, the, the division is, is, very weak and um, later on in the schedule, they'll have a lot of easy opponents, but I mean, they've used up a lot of their easy opponents now. And yeah, like you said, eight and eight just won't cut it against that recent schedule that they've had. And um, yeah, that's a difficult pill to swallow, but um, yeah, that's what we're, what we're up against right now. Yeah. Uh, okay, Jordan, you made it clear uh, you are second-guessing your decision to commit to the White Sox in the form of actually writing about them. But uh, as a fan, how you been feeling? It's really been great since you joined up with us. I, yeah, we've, we've won a total of two games since I've joined. Um, I think my prediction Sunday night was uh, we went 3-1 and one and we did the exact opposite. But... You know, at least it wasn't Crystal's prediction where we get swept. Oh, yeah. It's the truth. Uh, it is the truth. Uh, yes, that was the one that I wanted to go along with, Jordan. And unfortunately, White Sox were not listening. It's rare. Hello, Rick Hahn. Do something, Rick. Do something. Okay, Dante, um, vibe check. Uh, where are you at with this team? Um, well, Tim Madison's injury kind of put a damper on things. I was at the friendly confines on at the about the same time they said four to six weeks. I'm just like, well, I'm already at a Cubs game. <laughs> and now I get screwed more. So that was nice. 
Yeah, it's like it least, can't get worse. <laughs> like at least it gives me no reason to commit to watching every game the rest of this year. Because in my opinion, Tim Anderson going down means this team's done for the season. Yeah. Yeah, really sort of burying the lead there because uh, that is going to make it really tough to climb back. Even just three and a half games, as ridiculous as that is. Uh, But Dante, thanks for signing up for Sunday. You can't get out of it now. Uh, Okay, Trevor Lyons, out of nowhere. The team is so bad, it has forced him to resurface on Southside Sox podcast. I myself am delighted. But Trevor, um, your thoughts. Try to compress two months of thoughts into uh, just a minute or two. (laughs) yeah it's I think I mentioned it in our slack chat but it it seems like there's been a lot of new lows throughout the season (laughs) um but there was always the fact that the central division was so bad and it seemed like every time that the Sox would get too far out of it the twins and the guardians would go on a little losing streak and the Sox would kind of stay right there and Today was one of those days where I think it was the the bottom for me just because they had Cease on the mound. And he's he's the guy that, you know, you can count on a win typically. And the way that they lost, leaving all those runners on base and not executing um, with less than two outs. Um, and then the fact that the Guardians won on top of it to put even more distance, uh, it, it was a tough blow. But, but Trevor, you're close enough to your playing career to know how important 13 hits are, even when you only score two runs. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. 13 (laughs) hits, not much for extra bases until the game was somewhat out of reach. Uh, So it's tough to string those hits together when it's a bad fundamentally team. Um, If if you don't do the little things right and also don't hit for power, it makes things tough. Uh, All right. Adrian Serrano, I know you wanted to avoid this podcast if at all possible, but no, unfortunately, we dragged you into it. Uh, Thank you for showing up. And please now uh, give me an update on how you're feeling about the White Sox team that has just gone to Kansas City and lost three or four games, games that they need to be winning. Um, I've I've turned a corner on this team like this is actually officially I've uh, I'm on record now. This is officially my favorite team of all time. (laughs) I feel like. I'm never going to see another team like this, like this. Every time I turn on the TV, there's something that I never thought I would see before. And like, so I'm just trying to like take it for what that is. And this is, you know, it's entertaining and it's definitely a team that I will never forget. Like there's just, I I can't, there's no words sometimes for it. And there's no use getting angry at it. I'm just like, I'm in awe. I am in awe of the 2022 White Sox team. That's a valid point, but uh, Adrian, uh, talk to me next August. Uh, we'll see about that. Uh, You're unique. only four games back, you know, in the lost columns. So I'm not panicking yet. <laughs> hey, Steve and Steve's jumped off the train, so we're, we're the only ones carrying the, uh, driving the it. lost driving column anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, um, Tony LaRusso, at least uh, within our group, uh, 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 Luke uh, Smales, the other half of um, – the, the rumored uh, dugout metrics uh, podcast that Trevor is part of, <clears throat> rumored at least. Um, he pointed out, you know, that Tony had a particularly bad uh, post-game news conference. And, you know, who cares? They're all bad, right? Um, but uh, it got to me to thinking, if there's anything, what should Tony Lewis be doing? I mean, okay, besides the obvious, I know he should quit. Okay, no, we're not going to give, that's not the answer you can give. That's, that's a cheat. Uh, but what could he be doing? Is there something he could be doing he's not doing? Um, that you would like to hear, you know, Ozzy Gein is not exactly, you know, the best template here. Uh, he's a guy who would claim he would take hits for his players, which he did sometimes, but then he was also good at throwing them under the bus. 
Uh, it seems like something and that's a little bit different than what's being done here. What Tony just either is just sleeping through things or he just he's not going to come out against anybody unless the guy speaks the truth. Like, I don't know, Johnny Cueto uh, just uh, a couple games ago, questioning maybe a little bit of the heart of the fire in the clubhouse. Uh, is there something he can be doing at this point? Again, besides quit, because we know none of them, none of us want him here. Certainly not now. Um, is there something that he could be doing to make you feel a little bit better about this team or that the team is being managed in a way that might allow them to rally? It, I mean, as much as we joke and laugh and as pathetic as this team is, they're three and a half out. They're literally one series from perhaps potentially theoretically, mathematically being a first place team. Uh, so the season is not over <laughs> as much as we laugh about it. Uh, is there something he could be doing and practicing to the media, to his team that you're not seeing? Yeah, for me, I just, it, it's tough. He's, he's been out of the game for a while. He's definitely up there in age. And when you hear him talk, he just doesn't have that fire, that energy, um, that type of, even vocal inflection that can get people to rally around you. And I don't know if he has that in him. So uh, I would say if possible, just show a little bit more energy yourself to, but obviously from his comments before the game today, he doesn't think they have a problem with a lack of fire and took exception to Cueto bringing that up, which all of us can see pretty clearly from the outside looking in that it seems like some of these guys are going through the motions um, and don't, you know, I always say I would love, after Mankata strikes out or something just to see any sort of emotion, whether it's negative, if, if Mankata s- snapped a bat over his knee, I would love that just because it shows that he actually cares. And you can't really see that from the outside looking in right now with a lot of these guys. Yeah. I mean, the extreme is eyewash, of course, but to never see it from really almost any of these guys is, I mean, that's almost to, to Adrian's point, that's almost like mathematically impossible. They're competitors. A lot of these guys have been in the game for years. I mean, they've all been playing since they're little kids. Uh, yeah, extraordinary lack of fire, and it does come from the top. And you just you got to figure at this point, Tony just uh, doesn't have it. You know, last year you get away with it; they're winning. Uh, this year they are just clearly not uh, winning. Other things that perhaps jump out to you that you might want to see uh, from Tony that could just make us feel any better is just a lost cause. I really don't think there's anything that he can do at this point. Like you know, the kind of everybody is pretty morose in that clubhouse, and you said like. There's just no energy to be had. So, like, I don't think anything that Tony could do as a manager, you know, I think it'd be nice if he was a little bit more, you know, transparent and spoke like a human being, you know, to the press instead of, like, just so stuck in that 80s and early 90s mentality where, like, I'm smarter because I'm the coach and I will not, you know, even begin to let you question the intent or the, you know, the effort on the field. But, like, you don't have to be Ozzy and call people out by name, but you can say that like, Hey, we suck right now. And we don't want to do that anymore. And we're working hard to try not to suck anymore. And like, there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, that's if, if your guys can't look at themselves in the face as a 500 team that was supposed to be running away with this division and say that we suck this year, then, you know, there's more problems than just Tony. Adrian, talk to me when you're not only a hall of famer baseball person, but also like, Went to law school. Okay. Uh, he is better than all of us. All right. I got news for you. Newsflash. He's better than all of us. Uh, any other thoughts on Tony Russo or is it just a sickening topic that we should pass on? I mean, at this point, it feels like, like everybody said, like there's no energy from the team. Like that's a big thing. Again, like when you're winning, 
you're always going to have energy. Even when you go through a rough stretch, you still got energy because you've been doing so much winning. And there's not very much Tony can do about that because, I mean, this is a 500 team this season. There's not much, like, unless they go on a Cardinals last year or Mariners early this year type run, they're not going to, they don't even have to worry about playoffs. They'll be done <laughs> October 3rd or 4th at the latest, all that fun stuff. They could win the division, but, I mean, if you win the division, you're still not getting, like, the Mariners come in, Julio, it's Julio Rodriguez, three-run home run, top of the third inning or something. We, like, there's nothing Tony could do at this point. There's nothing anyone can do at this point. The season's become a wash to me. Yeah, you know, Tim Anderson could come back for the last couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, right. Come on, last two weeks of the season, the stock's going to be 10 out. Or maybe not. It's been a dance all year, and it's just impossible for any AL Central team to bury any others. All I got to say, not to cite my stupid article again, but Cleveland is playing better than they would have been anticipated. Uh, and that is a dangerous thing for the White Sox, because the White Sox are playing worse than anticipated, as evidenced by this last four-game set. Uh, another thing that came up uh, in our uh, group is um, Frank, well, it's everywhere, right? Frank Menachino, he's, he's, he's a fall guy for the White Sox offense, as he should be. He's the hitting, batting coach, quote-unquote. Uh, he's made his, you know, like whatever controversial, you know, thing about fuck the long ball, like, oh, you know, I guess that means you're supposed to hit grounders. I don't, that can't be what he's actually promoting, but maybe it is. Uh, the stats uh, rolling around now from, I think is Jeremy Frank, uh, 70% of the White Sox hits this year are singles and the company in recent history that that has the White Sox keeping is, well, let's put it this way. It's not strong company. It's not a group that you want to be with. Mar- like 12 Marlins teams. Um, it seems to me to be a little bit of a straw man to blame too much on Frank. The players still hit. I can't fathom that if he says hit ground balls, they're going to go like, oh, okay, coach. And just like stomp the ball into the ground. They're not going to do that. But obviously it comes from the top. There's something weird going on organizationally with this team where they want strikeouts and ground balls. I don't think that's winning baseball. You know, Trevor, you can check me on that. Uh, but uh, where, where's the fault lie? with this, uh, with this offense, because clearly as much as you want to defend it, and as much as there have been some decent performances, um, I guess Abreu, I, I don't know, I guess it was a Mendick before he killed himself, you know, um, uh, the offense is the problem. Um, and where does the fault lie guys? I, I'm going to, I'm going to take the absolute stance again. It is meant you know, because, but I, not in the way that, I mean, you were saying he's like, oh, uh, telling them to, you know, hit ground balls or whatever. I think it's a fundamental hitting change with a lot of the guys. It's like, if someone noticed, I think, last year that Eli had changed his stance since he'd gotten back from his injury, and that might have been something to do with his injury, but it could have also been something to do with, like, Menachino being like, hey, change your stance. You can hit whatever, but it's a team that should be hitting home runs, isn't hitting home runs. I, I'm going to take the bold stance here and say that nobody's going to hit 20 home runs in this team. <laughs> I'm going to take an extremely bold stance there. But I, you know, it, it, I mean, it could be a bit of the deadened ball because we've seen so many balls die on the warning track, but we saw a lot of balls die on the warning track in Kansas City where in a lot of other places they would have been out but, you know, it, it's, it seems like there's, there's just not enough power 
even if even if it wasn't just hitting signals, there's just there's just like ten percent power loss that is just affecting everything, especially with the the new balls. Yeah, Trevor, I think you brought it up in in the group. Uh, is this just a matter of like the Babbitt luck uh, catching up with them? Is this is this? I mean, you know, I mean, you could say, geez, they'd have you know they're you know five feet from fifty more home runs is probably not the case. You know, some of these things are just the way the ball bounces. But uh, is this just sort of uh, you know luck evening out? So a couple interesting things off of that. Um, it does seem like they've hit a lot of warning track fly balls and balls that are close to getting out. So I was checking into that yesterday. I put up a tweet about it, but um, the Twitter account automat it's like, a I think it's a bot account, but it's called would it dong. And basically it just takes the exit velocity and the launch angle of home runs, as well as the distance and says what parks the ball would be gone in versus would not be gone in. And there was a guy that actually compiled all of those into a spreadsheet. The White Sox don't have anyone in the top 90 of the MLB in most um, home runs that could have dong, Mm. but did not dong. So it it doesn't seem like that's the case. Watching it firsthand, watching every game, it may seem like that, but in reality, there's a lot of other hitters that are flying out to the warning track just as much, if not more. Um, and then as far as the batting average on balls in play that you were talking about, um, what I found interesting with that is since 2019, I took the road batting average on balls in play. And the reason I just took away games is because that takes the park factors out of things. So Fenway Park or Coors Field obviously have a higher batting average on balls in play than a lot of these other places because of the green monster and because Coors Field has such large dimensions and thin air. Um, So anyway, going off of that, the White Sox road batting average on balls in play for the last four years is 326. The next highest in the entire league is 306. And the difference between the White Sox and second is the same as the difference between second place and 23rd place. (laughs) So the White Sox are a huge outlier there with a high batting average on balls in play. And statistically, line drives and ground balls have a higher batting average on balls in play. Fly balls, if they stay in the park, which would mean they're in play, are typically outs. So going off of that, it does seem like the White Sox are hitting a lot of line drives, a lot of ground balls. Um, and they have the second highest opposite field rate over that time. So I know I threw a lot of stats in there at you, um, but what that boils down to me, especially taking what you said about Menachino with those Marlins teams that also were singles hitting teams, it seems like his philosophy is really hard line drives, make sure you're using the whole field. And that might've unlocked Tim Anderson in 2019. So I have to give him credit for that. Mm -hmm. It seemed like when TA started using the whole field is when he really took off. But on, on the flip side, with all these big boppers in the White Sox lineup, um, focusing so much throughout the entire offseason, drill work, um, all this stuff, swing work, folk, mentality, all focused on using the whole field and keeping the ball on a line uh, might not be the best philosophy in the modern day baseball with all of these power hitters. So just a quick follow up before the rest of the field can answer this. Um, 
then I'm taking a stupid stance like, well, okay, he's not telling people to beat the ball down into the ground. Okay, that's stupid. Nobody would do that. But do you think perhaps a little bit yeah, of this, yeah. use the whole field or go the other way might be having this sort of sneaky, which on surface sounds very healthy and, and, and a smart strategy. And as you point out with, with TA, that was, a, that was a, a big thing for him. But maybe that's hurting other guys with that sort of that philosophy could maybe like seep in and actually undermine some of the power on the team. Yeah, I mean using the whole field is great. And that's been the philosophy before we had all this advanced analytical data is make sure you're using the whole field. And, um, but statistically it's easiest to hit home runs to the pull side. So it's a much harder if you're trying to hit home runs, oppo or hit home runs to dead center field, the majority of home runs are going to come to your pull side. So a lot of modern day hitting coaches are kind of saying, you know, screw trying to go the other way we're going to wait till you get your pitch to drive pull side and turn on that thing. Um, and obviously that's not really what Manichino is doing. And you're right. He's definitely not telling them to just beat it into the ground, but such a focus on using the whole field and hitting hard line drives. Um, like I said, it may not generate the, the home runs that we're looking for. Okay. In spite of Trevor's extremely reasoned and uh, <laughs> embarrassing me with all his great facts, uh, anybody else siding with uh, or putting maybe a little bit more uh, fault on the, the backs of the, the players here? Uh, because after all, coaches are coaches are hired to be ignored. Uh, but anyway, uh, other thoughts about Frank? Um, I mean, I think we have like all that data just because those three Marlins teams were Frank teams and this team is a Frank team. Like it does seem to be something that's inherent in the what he's teaching as an approach and like I said, with Tim Anderson, that's a great approach. With some of these other guys that are struggling, like that you just need some kind of offensive. You've seen Gavin Sheets do a really good job recently of going the opposite way with some balls. It's a good approach, like a two-strike approach or certain players, but t- changing players fundamentally to be something they're not or something that might provide more value is kind of, I think, where the rubber meets the road on this. Like if you're universally saying like, all right, I know, uh, you know, Eloy might be most valuable hitting three-run homers, but, like, we want to get his batting average up a little higher, so we're going to have him try to hit more singles. It's not maybe necessarily helping your team. Like, it's great that, you know, Jose Abreu's average is up, but, like, he's, you know, almost 10 home runs down from where he was at this point last year. So, like, those home runs equated into, you know, the almost 30 more RBIs he had at this point last year, like, even with his slow start, you know, so – those runs it's just so many things have to go right for you to continue to chug through and be able to everybody just hit singles and doubles and keep scoring a bunch of runs and in this game against teams like you know the Yankees and the Blue Jays that can just one walk away from putting a two-run homer on you like you kind of need to just score more runs more reliably and home runs are just the way to do that especially in this ballpark that they have yeah one side note on that um it's almost like an overcorrection to the problems with the 2007 White Sox offense in a sense where it was largely that year. If they didn't homer, they didn't score. And they were actually dead last in the American League and runs scored that year, but second in home runs. Um, it, I don't know. It's just a random thought here, but it's almost as though um, um, like – Manichino and or the White Sox offense uh, looked at that season in isolation and said, see, home runs don't really help. And um, they decided to um, 
put their focus elsewhere. Yeah. Dylan Cease and Johnny Cueto say, oh, can I have a vote here? I beg to differ. Um, all right. Well, as we're going to wind up our first half of this podcast. Oh, yes. There are two halves. A little extended mix podcast here. Why? For this team, they don't deserve it. But hey, why not? My, who knows when we'll do the next podcast? Uh, and it's not an upper. <laughs> we're going to have a very constructive second half of the podcast. We're going to end on uh, maybe a downer, or maybe some of you will say not at all. I'm going to go around the table here once again. And I need to ask, uh, presuming it's not yet, although I think somebody's revealed already, or one or two of you have, uh, when uh, do you give up on this team? Just three and a half out. It's really one series away from first place. Not that it's going to happen. Uh, but Joe, I'll start again. You up in the corner. When do you give up on this team? When that gap hits eight games or so I, is when I think I would give up on them. Yeah, I'm still going with, yeah, I can't really complete, as dark as it feels today, um, can't give up on them entirely when um, no one is really taking a firm grasp of, of the division. It's true. Uh, uh, Jordan, uh, presuming it's not yet, uh, when are you giving up on this team? Very soon. <laughs> I, if it's not yet, if it's, if it's not today or, or last night, especially, it's, it's, it's whatever happens in that Astro series. If we get our asses kicked, it doesn't matter if we win the division or whatever. We're, it's not going to matter. Nothing. The playoffs aren't going to matter. We're going to we're going to get swept by Seattle or whoever, Baltimore. We're going to get swept by someone in the playoffs, and then we're going to, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it, if we play well against the Astros, maybe I'll have some hope. But mm. it's it's what if we get swept by the Astros, lose three out of four to the Astros, I think I think the season doesn't matter. Okay. Yes, well, welcome. It's a season-long contract, so you're not getting out of it. Dante, uh, have you – uh, given up or when will you give up i guess you sort of already admitted but please tell me again i mean like giving up in this case i'll guess is like a well they don't really matter at this point like go to the playoffs they're gonna lose yeah. don't go to the playoffs at least they have a higher draft pick like congrats <laughs> on that although the rick Hahn has to have draft picks. <laughs> that's not a plus yeah so am i like at the core, I'm a fan. I'll never truly give up. I've been watching the Bears for 25, 26 years now. So, you know, giving up isn't a thing. Mm. But um, for this season, it'll be done probably, like Jordan said. Let's see how that Astro series goes. All right. And shout out to Papa Dante. Uh, listen, at least we're not the Cubs. Okay. Uh, Trevor, I see just one bottle behind you. I know there are more. Um, have you hit that yet? Uh, or Andor, a.k.a. Uh, are you giving up on this team? Um, I thought I was going to be the the one that was going to be the least likely to give up, but Joe saying eight games, man, <laughs> if they get to if they get to six, seven games, I'm going to start questioning. So, um, but the the good thing is they do have a ton of games coming up against the two teams that they're chasing, uh, so you can't quite count them out. Even if they're five games back of the Twins, let's say with three series to go. You know, the two of their last three series are against the Twins. So theoretically, they could make that ground up. So they still they still have they still have time, but it's it's dwindling. 
the more and more we get here into the middle of, of uh, August. Yes. Sonny Brat keeps pointing out that it's just one series away from being in first place, but of course it's also one series away from being to getting into the Trevor Lyons zone of I've given up because a bad series against Detroit of all teams uh, could, could put them in that territory. Okay. Uh, Adrian, I actually have a follow-up for you, but please first give me your answer on when you give up on this team. Um, give up on their hopes to make the playoffs. Um, could be coming soon right at the end of this uh, stretch. They got the Tigers, then the Astros, then Cleveland. If yeah. they lose multiple, and if they lose that series to Cleveland, it might be just about when I'm going to say like uh, playoffs are probably not going to happen. Give up on watching the team. Like it's probably not going to happen. I'm going to be there for all of these terrible games. And I really want to see it just get fun, bad. <laughs> so sort of giving up, sort of not. Okay. My follow up specifically to you, although the field can take it if, unless we run out of time, um, given that you, um, well, without at least without Celeste Redonio any longer with us, you are sort of our uh, Liori whisperer. So my question here, as long as we're talking about quick exits from the playoffs, if you knew that his 450 foot whatever career career best length uh, home run in the playoffs last year was going to earn him a three year 15 16 million dollar contract, would you uh, now wish that he never hit that home run? No, because it was cool, but. The one guy that I wish would listen to Frank Menachino, man, like could really benefit from that guy hitting for more average and just trying to get on base however he can. Like I said, like he's still trying to hit that home run every time up. And it's he's come down a little bit. He was like 11%, I think, when I wrote that article about him on like all of his fly balls. 11% of his fly balls were popped up on the infield. I think he's like 10.5% now. So he's coming down, but still 10% of your fly balls popped up on the infield. Like I you have one thing on your mind when you're up there and you're trying to get under a ball and put it a long way. And that's just not his game. Yeah. If we're not getting a full quote and it was Leuri, fuck the long balls. Yeah. Well, I don't, I think we're all, that's a t-shirt, Adrian. That's a t-shirt. But yeah, if it was just like, Hey guys, we've got you all assembled, put yeah. your breakfast down for a second. Fuck the long balls. I would all. love Leuri out in like, you know, some of these games when we got these terrible defensive outfields, like, let me, I'd rather have him defensively out there and like whatever he can give you offensively, but like, we're not even getting that Leary we're getting, or we're going to play him at shortstop, you know, or some premier position that we really need him to produce in. And uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but I can't, uh, I can't have him go down. That home run was magical and I <laughs> still, Okay, we have reached our maximum allotted, uh, allowed uh, SB Nation recommended Leori Garcia content. So we are going to go to a break. Coming out of that break, oh, we're going to talk a little bit bigger picture for those of this group who hang with me for that second half. Uh, Please, all of you do as well. Hang with us for about a minute and we'll come back with second half of podcast 35 or something else. See you in a bit. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, White Sox fans, thanks for hanging with us through that break. 
We are back with uh, the second half of the Southside Sox podcast. I believe it's number 35 of this 2022 year. A year very different than last year. Boy, we were just having fun. Boy, remember we did like 60 Field of Dreams podcasts. I had like Colleen and I forget who else. I don't know. Jackie, they were like yelling at me about how stupid Field of Dreams was. We had a whole podcast devoted to 180 for liking Field of Dreams. Uh, there's rumors. Um, I'm not sure if Dante provided those rumors. In fact, Dante, I need the Harry Carey hologram update. I would not want to watch that thing. I try to avoid watching the Cubs. Apparently, you know, Papa Dante like ropes you into going to Wrigley Field or something sometimes, or, you know, I don't know, just find yourself in the park, but, um, not, you know, claiming that you have any particular affinity for the Cubs, but, uh, what went on with a hologram and, uh, how many times did it accidentally cost? Shockingly, no cursing, but, um, they decide let's go with the Harry Carey, like Tupac, like the Tupac whole thing they did at Coachella, but Harry Carey doing the seventh inning stretch, mm-hmm. which, oh man, <laughs> that was a thing. That was a thing. I like you know? the fact that there are people who are who are gonna hate Field of Dreams, but also somehow like that hologram. I wanna I wanna have a, a focus group with that group of people, uh, and I'll run away. Can I, can I make can I make a suggestion? Yes. Can we can we make the uh, Harry Terry hologram the new the new manager of the White Sox? Uh, it would be an improvement. Um, of course, you could hologram just. I mean, at some point, you could hologram Terry Bevington, though still alive, as far as I know, Terry dear terry and you might actually be doing a slightly better job because at least there'd be some fire there'd be like fist fights in the in the stands uh weird cussing weird uh calling for relievers we're not warming up uh oh good times uh good times but um yeah i guess he took some contending teams into the tank as well anyhow we are going to try to be oh it's the essay portion of the podcast we're going to talk about what we would change with this team now granted there are some very very obvious things but still i'm going to force all of my guests to actually commit to something we discussed many times the need to uh, hand the pink slip to tony larusa and that might be your answer but we're going to start we're going to go both sort of short term maybe a meeting in terms of with an eye toward maybe saving the season again three and a half out strange to talk about saving the season but also 500 very reasonable in mid-august to be talking about having to rescue the season maybe what you do immediately try to jolt this team into playoff contention and maybe who knows do a little damage in the playoffs. You get there, you know, you get to dance. I don't know. Uh, and then maybe long-term, what are you going to do with this team to really change things to, you know, I don't know, fundamentally change where this team's at. Presuming we all think it needs fundamental change. Uh, not quite so sure how everybody's going to choose, but I'm going to let uh, uh, Dante continue rolling. Uh, start me off with the thing you would do right now to try to inject this team and give it the kick it needs in the last six weeks to get into the playoffs. All right, so it depends on if the White Sox are more like the Phillies or if they're more like the Angels. Fire, Tony. Screw it. <laughs> Hopefully going to do it at the end of the season anyway. It's the easiest answer. But it's like, I'm going easy answer simply because if we're like the Phillies, it might kick the ass a little bit. Be like, okay, we might actually have to take this seriously for half a minute. Or they could be like the Angels and decide that Going down the deepest, darkest hole is fine. The hole that makes you think about trading Shohei and makes people say, mm-hmm. let's trade Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. So pushing on the shove, we could end up with some people saying, maybe wait, we maybe we don't need Luis Robert. I'm not going to be one of those people. I will mm-hmm. be fighting those people. Mm-hmm. But we could go down that rabbit hole somehow. But I'd rather us just get rid of La Russa. I hated it when the Cubs decided, let's wait until 
earlier, I mean, waiting, not the Cubs, until when the Bears decide, let's wait until the end of the season and fire Nagy. So White Sox, don't wait till the end of the season and fire La Russa. Uh, Adrian, where are you falling on this? What, what, what injects this team? I mean, short term, the biggest impact would be firing Tony. Um, that's probably not going to happen. So I would have to vote probably Menachino next, just as at least a signal to the team that like, Hey, whatever's happening is not good enough. And like, maybe, uh, try to get some kind of energy. Maybe they, uh, go on a, you know, Frank Menachino revenge tour, you know? <laughs> Uh, just to try to prove that he wasn't the problem. Like whatever it takes to motivate these guys, there needs just to be accountability for somebody that's not Dallas Keuchel because that accountability was not a message to anybody um, yeah. except for that, you know, they only really care if they're paying you too much, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's short term. I think those are the two answers, but um, one is more likely to happen, but yeah. I don't think either does. The revenge tour stats immediately uh, 38% of all batter balls in play, just pop-ups over catcher. That's all that that'll be the revenge. Um, uh, Jordan uh, thoughts on what might uh, immediately, or I don't know, rescue the season. I guess that's how we're posing it. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to repeat what everyone else has said in fire Tony. I, I, I find someone who can play the outfield. I, Cause I, I don't like seeing an outfield of, Oh, what was it the other day? It was uh, Gavin Sheets, AJ Pollock in center, and uh, and uh, Andrew Vaughn. Right. I'd like. There was last night. There was a couple of times where it was like, man, if we'd had a better outfield defense or someone who could throw the ball from the outfield, I don't care if they can hit. I just want someone who can field the ball that's above average. Yeah. Yeah, and Trevor, I'm going to jump right to you on that. Uh, one thing that you've uh, spoken of, I think, is just this utter. I mean, granted, it doesn't it doesn't take a former player, it doesn't take uh, any sort of brain surgeon to know this, but I think you've spoken specifically about the utter lack of fundamentals on this team. I mean, simple stuff that really even little league teams manage to convert on, hit and cut off men, etc. Um, but you know, broader than that, uh, is there something you do with this team? to get them not to the six games will force you to give up on them, but actually get you back and engaged. Yeah. Um, well, right now, as we're recording this, the field of dreams game is in the ninth inning. So I can still say this, but there's only one person on the face of the earth that has ever managed a team to a successful field of dreams game. win, <laughs> And he's sitting in the white Sox dugout. Don't it's fire him. Yeah. It's not Tony Larusa. <laughs> it's true. Miguel Cairo. That's true. Tony Larusa was suspended for the field of dreams game. Yeah. So let's get Miguel Cairo at the helm. Um, I want, if, you know, if I'm him, I'm telling him, I'm telling him, okay, Tony may have told you we can, jog it down to first to prevent mm-hmm. injury hey it's mm-hmm. it's go time now mm-hmm. we gotta win you're hustling it out there's nothing mm-hmm. that makes me more mad than seeing yeah. Luis robert jogging over to a ball and nikki lopez taking second right in his face um so it's hustle it's 100 percent of the time that eaton dude I don't, i've never even heard of him before this series but that eaton dude out in right field sprinting over to the wall and crashing into it to prevent that double that's what the white Sox need um and then what Adrian was saying as well, um, it ultimately it comes down to the players. I know I was talking about Menachino. It comes down to the players. You, the players have to produce. 
But, you know, if you fire Menachino, at least that sends mm-hmm. a message to them, whether it was Menachino's fault or it's the player's fault, something to let it fire under this team. Okay, uh, Trevor, uh, Joe, hang with me just a second here. Trevor, let me follow up again, coming from recent playing days. Is that something, what you're saying, hey, Cairo comes in and says, forget, we got all bread, screening new t-shirts, we're, you know, we're hustling the first, whatever. Um, whatever the new um, lingo is going to be, can you do that? Can you do that with a, a, at a professional level? Can you do that now, what, five, six through the season? Do you think that switch can be turned? It really depends on the relationship that Cairo currently has with the team. Um, I don't know if he's built up that trust um, or that level of respect, um, but it can go one of two ways. Either they completely abandon ship and totally give up on the team and they're headed right to the spot where they're headed right now, or, you know, they can rally around Cairo or rally around Chris Johnson or whoever they bring up for Menachino or rally around the firing of Menachino, like Adrian was saying, and say, hey, we want to prove that Menachino was doing a, doing fine or something, whatever it may be, some sort of change to hopefully light a fire under them um, because the alternative is exactly where they're going right now. Uh, Joe, it's your task to rescue them from where, from where they are going right now. Now, you maybe were the uh, you know, most forgiving. I don't know what my answer to the question would be when I give up on the team. I guess I can't. So I guess I can't answer the question because I can't let my the beloved Southside Sox site go dark. Uh, but Joe, what would you do to inject this team with the energy it needs to, I don't know, get closer? Yeah, we mentioned it a little bit on the first half of the podcast, which is that the team has no energy. The manager has a lot to do with that. In addition to his many flaws with the tactical decisions in game. Um, it, I, I think the one thing that is possible to do that could be done, you know, in theoretically in the blink of an eye would, would, would be to fire Tony. Uh, in terms of things that are, you know, I guess, Nothing that would be within the control of anyone within the the organization necessarily, besides, I guess, the players themselves. Um, um, If Larry Garcia found his 2021 version um, of of himself, that would be a huge step up over what he has contributed this year. And uh, we got a taste of retro Yasmani Grandal today, um, one of the few bright spots uh, in the offense, even, despite all those hits that they had, you know, not a lot of overall bright spots in the offense. So I, yeah, the 2021 versions of Grandal and Garcia, I think would, um, would light a spark under the team if, if they were able to um, get back to their, their normal selves. All right. So four uh, send Tony to the farm and one deliver whatever pregame meal uh, Leoria was eating last year to him for the whole rest of the season now and just see what happens. Cause yes, we do need uh, that Leori who ended up hitting that very long home run that Adrian would not trade back. He wants all three years of the Leoria Garcia experience and don't white Sox Don't you dare cheat him of that. Uh, let's get a little broader team. Let's talk about something, you know, maybe more institutionally, um, that goes beyond this season, because let's face it, it's extremely likely 
Uh, I believe the playoff chances, they're probably down in the thirties again. It's, it's not great playoff chances. Um, but even if they make it, yes, we've all been through it. Yeah. They're going to get swept, you know, whatever. They won't even show up because they're, they're embarrassed. Sure. Okay. So this, it's not going to be a world series this year. Okay. We got it. What we were promised will not be delivered. Uh, but okay. So looking beyond that, then we're in the off season. We're looking to the rest of the 2020s. We're looking at this window of contention, whatever it is, it's shattered now. It's uh, it's nailed shut, whatever it is. Uh, how do you open that back up? What do you do with this team? Where do you start? Uh, what's at least one thing you'd want to do to this team to really uh, and truly change it? I know there's some real easy answers. Maybe, maybe go beyond um, ownership, general manager or uh, manager change, although those are fair answers as well. Uh, Adrian, let's go back to you and, uh, start us off here. Um, something a little more fundamental. What'd you do? What would you do? Um, I mean, yeah, like outside of the, obviously like you need to change at least the manager, if not the general manager, you know, going forward. Uh, I think they're just in need of a reset, um, out of the two, Tony, I think is the easiest, uh, to pop out. I would say, I would go as far as to say, like, if you're actually bringing Tony back next year, which is like the rumor that he's coming back next year, then you might as well just trade Dylan C's. Cause like, you're not going to compete. You might as well, like, let's, uh, let's get ready for the next run because you're going to let Tony do this farewell tour and go out on his own terms this time. Um, but they just need, they need guys that come in here and actually look at the players they have and use them to their value rather than trying to just push some kind of system or belief system onto them. Like not every player is made the same, like holding all of these players to, well, Jose Abreu can hit to the opposite field and get his average up and he's doing fine. Like you can't hold everybody that, you know, same level, like Tony Gwynn could hit to all fields, but like not everybody's Tony Gwynn, you know, if Gavin Sheets is like being stunted in development or Andrew Vaughn is being stunted in his development by not just letting him get up here and be comfortable and rake and think less, like, you know, that needs to be addressed. A guy like Larry Garcia, that's been nothing but valuable for, you know, seven years almost now is like, you know, completely useless in the hands of a supposed hall of fame manager who just has no idea how to use him to his strengths he only wants to force him into some mold that he has in his mind from a player that he used to know that you know I'm not even sure that he calls these guys by their right names I feel like he just calls them by like random Cardinals players names oh yeah totally Eckstein he's just trying to fit them into an archetype of what he thinks they should be rather than looking at that player and saying I think this is what he does well let's concentrate on that yeah yeah, I'm sure. I, you know, I was I was envisioning answer, asking the question of of you, Adrian, about the whole area. Would you get rid of him or whatever? I'm thinking, you know, just in the off season. You know, I can imagine Rick like maybe just sending like a little text to Tony or like a little short call, like, "Hey, you know, what do we do with Leoria?" And I'm sure it wasn't even just like, "Okay, yeah, I want him back. I really need him. He's Max Nine or whatever." I'm sure he was just like three fifteen, and he was just expected. Okay, that's done. Give, just give it to him. I mean, granted, I can't imagine that. Rick is just that ineffectual at this point as a GM, but yeah, at this point, who knows? I, mean, uh, I think, on. I think Rick saw the value in having a guy that mm-hmm. plays all those positions just with all the injuries last year. But like I, you knew something was weird right off the bat. Cause they just did not want to play Larry in the outfield. And he's like, you know, one of your better defensive corner outfielders, at least just because he's not a great center fielder, uh, but he can play it over, you know, the, rotting corpse of AJ Pollock that we've seen in the outfield so far this year. Like, so that just the fact that they're not utilizing that 
big pool of value that he has to you as a guy that can play multiple positions and they only want to make him a middle infielder. Like it's just very weird. And I don't know if it's the trainers or Tony or the club. Like, I don't know. We're going to get answers for this, you know, five, 10 years from now when people start talking about it. But right now it's just uh, anybody's guess. I can speak for Trevor even with one arm, but I, th- I would dare say the five of us could be as good or better defensive outfielders than some of the corner outfielders they've been running out there. And who knows, maybe one or two of us could be better in center field than A.J. Pollock. Uh, Jordan, uh, em- not immediate, but sort of long-term institutional change you would want to see happen with the White Sox uh, beyond 2020, 2022. Oh, uh, wow. There's a million different things I can think of. I, I think it would be cool. And Completely unrealistic to see if we can try and sign Aaron Judge this offseason, but that's completely unrealistic. Uh, a more real, I mean, I think getting rid of Rick Hahn, I think he's hampering this team. I, I, I don't care if it's like whatever, whatever Jerry said or whatever that he hasn't fired Tony Larusa by now, but he's kind of being too much of a yes man. And just, dude wasted however much money on Lear, on Yuri and bullpen arms this offseason when you could have gotten someone good or, you know, given Carlos Verdana a qualifying offer or whatever. I, you know, I mean, uh, and if we're, not com- if we're not in playoff contention by trade deadline 2024, just, I guess, rebuild again. Yeah. Yeah, as much as we get down on Tony for being like, um, you know, passive or lazy, um, well, Rick Hahn, he cannot be proud of the job uh, he has done, maybe at all, um, certainly not uh, recently. Uh, Dante, um, longer term, I imagine involves the shifting of ownership of this team, but um, that or what else you got? Oh, don't give me ownership of this guy. <laughs> but um. I've said it before, so, you know, going to say it again. It starts from the farm. And the guy that, like, Rick Poivre's job, Rick Hahn's job is farm management. So that's not the only reason he should be gone. I mean, it's probably in the middle of the reasons, but not the only reason. But I would say we need to, the team needs to make the farm a robust farm. I've said before, I'd rather them be more like the Dodgers, where they can trade the guy, they can trade the farm guys, and still have three other guys who can play that position. There's there's a problem when you have to have like three first basemen playing corner outfield. Why do you not have an outfielder you can be like, oh, that guy, come up, come play a corner for a few week for a week or two. Why is Lynn Sosa going to get sent back down to triple A or double A, whichever one he was in at the moment, the second that they say, okay, we have Tim Madison healthy, when Lynn Sosa should begin as many of bats as he can that are valuable right now. Like the way they mismanaged this roster from the lowest level to the highest level is just an indictment of this regime. And Tony LaRusso isn't the only member of this regime that's been here for a while. Also, I did some a little bit of Wikipedia session on Minichino. Mm-hmm. He was a player that had 5.4 war. He batted. Let me make sure I'm getting my numbers right. Let me make sure. 
Um, 5.4 war, batted 240, 36 home runs, 149 RBIs. The reason he's not teaching and telling guys to hit bombs is because he did not hit bombs. <laughs> Dante with the indictment, and he's got the receipts to back it up. Okay, yeah, you heard Dante. Just I, we would prefer the White Sox farm to be like the Dodgers. Okay, go do it, White Sox. I mean, maybe you just got to take all of the Dodgers guys. It is despicable that the Dodgers just continue to just send guys throughout the major leagues, send all sorts of prospects everywhere. And still, I don't know what I saw. They got like nine top 50 or top 100. They got some ungodly, ridiculous amount, even with giving everybody away and just more guys come through. Uh, One thing that's always bugged me, although you could argue that the White Sox uh, rookie league teams aren't really that good. So why would you actually give them license to operate too? But why in the world, if you're allowed to, why wouldn't you just max out your teams? You know, I understand two terrible DSL teams or two terrible Arizona teams. I don't know. They're just going to make everybody depressed or something, but it gives you twice the rostered guys to maybe catch fire. But Jerry could get a new couch. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Hey, you know, I once worked for a magazine that right before it went under, the publisher bought a Porsche and then he decided to fold the magazine. So, yeah. Oh, Ooh, that hurts. That hits me personally, Adrian. And yes, he might need that new couch. Um, uh, Joe Rhesus, give me your solution longer term for this White Sox team. Yeah, um, the defensive positioning is absolutely a big one. Um, I feel kind of bad for Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets for having to run out to right uh, to the outfield positions. Um, knowing that you know that wasn't how they imagined their time in major league baseball going um um in, in addition to that yeah like the the way that the white Sox built up their farm system back a couple of years ago when it was one of the best in in the league um they they did it in a way that wasn't sustainable in that in order to get that their farm system to an elite level, they traded a lot of premium <laughs> trade ships and also um, had had some early draft picks um, as opposed to simply just you know, signing in a, a player from say the I don't know, from the Dominican Republic, you know, who is a very raw product and just, and who no one really thinks, you know, is a super talent, you know, right off the bat and, you know, developing them from almost from scratch and into a, a good major leaguer. Like their track record for that is very poor. So I, being able to have a sustainable way of having a solid pipeline of prospects coming up through their system um, would go a long way for them. To your first point, uh, Joe, oral histories are lazy, but I do want the oral history one day of Andrew Vaughn being thrown an outfielder's mitt at the end of spring training and told with, I believe, two guys, I don't think he played all three games, uh, with two games under his belt to start in, in, in the major league outfield. It would be way different if these corner outfielders were like, man, these guys are so versatile the way they're trying to sell Vaughn on us. Well, they're so versatile. They played their way into a corner position because, man, they, they're at least average. They can handle it. They've shown flashes. Neither of these guys have done that. It's just because they're not dead. They get to still play at the major league level. Uh, it's extraordinary. Uh, speaking directly to something, Trevor, as a very recent 
college baseball player can speak to. You just can't really try to play that way. You can't, it doesn't match that way. That's just not how it works. Although it speaks to how desperate the White Sox are in their system. Um, Trevor, what do you got in terms of, um, I don't know, something maybe more sustained with this team? Uh, What needs to change with these guys? Yeah, like you were talking about, throwing Vaughn in there at the end of spring training (laughs) last year and this year, he actually, so I think he's probably been maybe like a seven out of 10 for what my expectations were coming in. And he's still the worst outfielder in the major leagues. He's the worst outfielder in the major leagues and he's exceeded expectations. So what they were asking him to do was absolutely crazy and sheets the same thing just throwing him into right field or two first baseman. That's what they are. Um, so that's what I would do in the off season. I want to preface it by saying that I've gained a ton of respect for Jose Ray this year, um, totally reinventing himself, um, playing through injuries that some of these other guys may not be playing through. He's, he's been the one constant this year and he's been their most productive player this year. But despite all that, um, I would not re-sign him this off season. Um, he's an a integral part of the clubhouse. So that's something that can't necessarily be defined by numbers, but their clubhouse, these guys aren't showing any fire. He's not really showing any crazy leadership qualities this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm throwing that out the window. Um, and you're getting rid of your most productive offensive player but the money that it would take to re-sign him now is freed up to do other things to improve your team as well. And it also frees up first base for all of these guys. They have way too many of these first base DH types and they need to get more left-handed and they need to get more flexible defensively and letting Abreu walk um, while it would hurt on an emotional level it's smart on a, uh, on a business level or on a performance level, in my opinion. You heard it here first. Trevor Lyons, respected member of the Southside Sox staff and half of the Dugout Metrics podcast, delicious podcast. It's rumored. It is a rumored podcast. Actually is endorsing giving an additional $20 million to $18 million to Rick Hahn in this offseason. That is a bold take, Trevor. I guess it means he's going to actually make a good move with that $18 million. Yeah, move. that yeah, that's that's a crapshoot, <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully. Um all right, let's do a speed round. I don't know if we're up against it yet here for this uh extended mix podcast. Uh, but there's been talk about Oh, you know, hey, at some point, I think it even came up here, you know, you trade Dylan Cease because he's not going to sign with the Sox. Or there was even talk, listen, are the White Sox going to uh, listen to offers on Lance Lynn? Yeah, what were those offers going to be? Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito, this trade deadline, right? Um, We've heard so many stories about how Jerry Reinsdorf at age 80, 90, whatever he is, had to be dragged into a rebuild by Rick Hahn, right? Um, it looms as a possibility, given that, you know, this run with the team, as Trevor just pointed out, the leadership that Jose is supposed to be, you know, um, this is so highly touted for as the unofficial captain of the team. Well, it's not clicking. I mean, I hope some guys are listening to him, but even like Luis Robert, a guy who's one of the closest players on the team to him, doesn't maybe seem to be listening to him. Um, what is the likelihood of the White Sox shifting into a rebuild? Um at any point in this in near future, uh, with this core, 
Uh, I don't think it could possibly happen this off season, no matter how this season ends. But uh, what do you put the likelihood at? We'll start top left corner for the block, and let's go with Dante again. Uh, chances of a rebuild in um, our near lifetimes. I'm about to check. I just want to make sure that I'm right about this because I'm pretty sure Tim's contract's coming up mm. soon. Mm-hmm. So Tim's contract is 28 after next season. Mm-hmm. And Jose's a free agent this upcoming, mm-hmm. upcoming offseason. Luis Robin and Lloyd Mendes don't have that much time left compared to what they could have. So, like, you could feasibly see them being, like, in, after 2023, depending on where it goes, mm-hmm. in 2024 trade deadline, I could see the White Sox have traded Luis Robert for seven prospects mm-hmm. from, the, from the Yankees or something. Mm-hmm to continue building their Death Star of an offense. <laughs> and then, like, just that's where it all begins. Now, again, as I said earlier, do not ever want to be in that universe where Luis Robert is not a member of the Chicago White Sox. think he's going to end up being one of the best players in baseball. Heck, I still have some hope for Aloy Jimenez, which is mostly built on the fact that I have his jersey. <laughs> yeah, that would have to be the justification. Yeah. All I need is for him to become Peter Alonso and win some home run derbies. We're good. That's all I need. All right. All right. Yes, but, that'll make the jersey legit. Like we can eat. Like we can easily in 2024-2025 be at the rebuild point if something doesn't change very soon. As in, mm-hmm. like by the end of October, there should be at least one or two members of the three-headed monster gone. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That and that would. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that would be a, a redevotion to the window of contention. But uh, yeah, you could argue we're even in the beginning stages of it, depending on what happens in these next six weeks. Uh, Jordan, uh, chances of uh, rebuild uh, near future. I think I said it previously, but I, I think it's it's trade deadline twenty twenty four. If you're not in contention, or if you haven't. You didn't win a World Series in 2023. That's when you you start selling. Mm. I don't think I think you so, start soft rebuilding in, in in the middle of 2024. Something like trading Giolito, trading Lance Lynn. I think he's still under contract. When's he, or is it that next year? Um, that's when you start looking at some of the older guys I don't think you that I don't think you start looking at like your Luis Roberts yet in 2024 but you look at your Giolitos you look at your who else would be on this team in 2024 that's yeah I think the pitcher is going to be Dylan Cease and that's it yeah that's yeah I mean that's when you trade I I, I wouldn't trade Cease yet though at, at that point I think you you hold on to a little sliver of hope you trade some of the guys that are going to get you some of that depth we've been looking for and maybe sign some guys that off season. And if that doesn't work out, you blow it up in 2025, but. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll insert my answer to the question. That is we're already in a rebuild because we have no pitching. Jordan just spoke to that. There's no pitching. I don't know where they're going to get their pitching. They, you need to have pitching. There already is no pitching and there's definitely very shortly going to be no pitching. I believe G Lito gone 2024 Lance Lynn may not even for all we know, might not live to 2024 uh, as a baseball player, at least. Um, okay, uh, Joe Reeses, um, chances of rebuild. Let's see, if, it depends on the time frame we're looking at. If for like 
before the end of 2022, I'd say less than 1%. Uh, during 2023, maybe, and I would say may, maybe like 10% in the off season after next, after like 2023 to 2024. Um, yeah, um, I, I'm... Overall, not feeling like it. There will be one in the at least super near term. Um, yeah, as long as they have at least a solid chunk of the cornerstones of the rebuild still um, on on the roster, I think that's. Um, I, I don't envision that happening um, unless they're really struggling next year, uh, but. Um, yeah, what, what I will say is if, if they do surprise me and, and do another rebuild, you know, said sometime before the end of, or before the beginning of the 2024 season, I, I really hope that Rick Hahn is not part of it. <laughs> like we, like we've seen the movie play out before now. Yeah. Like, so if, 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 if this rebuilds with this core is going to end in two early playoff exits and that's it, then. I, that that's that's the that would have been the result of uh, them being in a good position to start a rebuild with in in 2016 with uh, Chris Sale, Jose Quintana, yeah. Adam Eaton. That was that his value never got higher. Um, yeah. He was a premium trade chip then. So if they could, if Rick Hahn couldn't make it work with all of that going for him, then I certainly wouldn't want him to do it. Um, the next time yeah the man if he has any dignity he would just resign because that's this is just uh-uh. no I, and i you know i think what, what tante said I, I think this could really hinge if we're talking about this which is preposterous and you know you could argue with the pitching they have they might already be in sort of a pitching rebuild uh might really hinge on tim anderson um but you know we'll see boy there are a lot of question marks around tim anderson that is for sure um okay trevor uh give me uh give me your likelihood of rebuild <laughs> with or without recon yeah, I'm kind of with Joe. Um, I hadn't even really thought about it until you brought it up. Um, but I next within the next year, less than 1%. Within the next two years, I would put it at maybe 5% now that we're kind of talking it out. Um, and then three years is kind of a long time into the future to really make any uh, – any super set predictions that I would feel strongly in uh, who knows, who knows at that point, but um, that's kind of next two years. I don't really see it happening. I would never be a guy, as you can tell by all the times I mentioned Doug on metrics, I would never be a guy who would haunt you over a prediction you made three <laughs> years in the future, Trevor. So don't worry about that. I would you haunt myself. <laughs> I would uh, haunt myself. I take my predictions seriously. Bobby Dahlbeck over 27 home runs. I'm still so mad. I made it. He's not going to get close. (laughs) Um, Okay. uh, Adrian, um, uh, finish it up here. Uh, Chances of uh, a rebuild, especially because you're now you're just rooting for fun bad. So are you a little bit more on the rebuild train? I mean, by year, uh, like a full rebuild, like what we saw, uh, 0% chance until four or five years out. We're probably on Andrew Vaughn's clock for like a full Mm. rebuild. Um, The clock on this particular core is probably – uh, trade deadline 2023 if they struggle again uh, Lucas Giolito is the first chip to fall um, free agent after next season um, and then right behind him is Tim Anderson so then they have to make another decision about you know that would be more of like a reshuffling of the core um, 
And then the Tim Anderson decision would be the next big uh, signifier of like whether they're going to pay somebody uh, real money um, because it's regardless of what's going on, his numbers are going to warrant them having to pay real uh, star player money uh, to that Tim Anderson contract uh, in one shape or form. They can try to skirt away on Lucas, you know, which it seems like they're going to try to do, Um, but they're going to have to find pitching somewhere if they're going to choose to go that route. Um, But so basically we're looking like kind of year by year, unfortunately, which is a bad place to be as a fan and a a team. Um, Unless we get a big uh, shift in the direction of the, you know, if a new general manager comes in, who knows, you know, maybe then they, you know, want to clear the deck and bring some of their guys in and it's going to be a couple of years. But uh, if Rick stays and Kenny stays um, next year is one year to watch. That's the, Mm the only year I could see in earnest that they go forward again with this core as assembled with or without uh, Jose Breu, obviously uh, is a, is a question mark, but I just can't justify, you know, paying Jose Breu the money he's getting made now, unless he's still going to be a 30 plus home run guy. And like, great. Mm -hmm. I'm glad he's hitting more singles and his average is up a little bit, but like, he's really more of like a six hitter now in the way he's approaching. And I don't know if I can put that much payroll towards a six hitter in this lineup. Yeah. Let's pull back the camera and acknowledge that I am addressing granted. It's my fault. I brought it up. We are talking about a rebuild in the middle of a contention window. Yes. White Sox, you have done this to us by being 500 with six weeks left in the season. Shame on you all. Hey, but not all of you listening, you dear readers, dear listeners, dear viewers, without you, we would not be here. Thank you. Dante, Jordan, Adrian, Trevor Line, just out of nowhere. Love it. Straight out of Louisville and representing the Indianapolis field office is Super Joseph Reese's. Thanks everybody for listening, uh, watching. We'll be back at you. Oh, I don't know. Soon. Maybe not. Maybe this is the last one of the season. Who knows? I'll keep you guessing.